Hello, you're listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for this week, ending Friday the 7th of October. We are on Triple R every weekday morning from 6 to 9am, broadcast live from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on our podcast this week, Dr. Jen was here to round out Radiothon and she's talking about the science of procrastination and what we do with a deadline. I went out for dinner and changed my order last minute and it's my biggest regret. Uh, Kate Burridge was in talking portmanteaus as well. We look at culinary contraband and Irvi Majumdar is over sharehouse living. Melbourne's own Triple R. Lucy Guerin is a dancer and choreographer who tours across Australia and internationally with acclaimed shows including Split, Attractor and Untrained. Her latest project is Pendulum, which you can see as part of Fringe Festival starting this week. And to tell us about it, the founder of Lucy Guerin Inc., which celebrates 20 years this year, joins us now. Lucy, welcome back to Triple R. Thank you. Now, Pendulum, it looks terribly exciting. Can you uh, introduce us to the idea? Yes, I can. Um... Pendulum is a it's a large scale performance installation which is set up down at the Docklands um, in Fisherman's Bend, and it's a collaboration between myself and a percussive composer Matthias Schack Arnett, and it consists of thirty nine pendulums which are suspended under a um, under a roof which is part of a shed that's an open-sided shed so it's exposed there's an amazing view of the Balti Bridge and the city and the sunset and these 39 pendulums um, hang and inside each one they're, they're, they're um, made from temple bells brass temple bells and inside each one there's a speaker and a light and a sensor and um, the seven dancers um, activate them in the space and the sound responds to the swing. Mm. What ordinarily goes down in the shed? Um, well, I'm not sure actually. It's, it's an amazing location. It's next door to some paddle courts. But apart from that, I'm, I'm not too sure what yeah. happens in the shed. Now, uh, this, you've, this has been staged before. Yes, it was originally a commission for Rising Festival um, in the ill-fated, was it, it was 2021. Mm. And um, so it opened at the NGV. At, at this iteration, that iteration, it was in a, one of the galleries in a black void. So it was glowing orbs in a black void. Um, and, you know, we put it all up and we were very, very excited and we did our opening night and then, of course, it was closed down. And then we did um, remount it um, sometime later, about a month later. And timing, talk about a work about time. Mm. Um, yeah, once again, it was closed down after opening night. So we've really got our fingers crossed yeah, this time. Yeah, <laughs> now's our chance. Um, with pe- what is a dancer and a choreographer's relationship with time, uh, with mathematics, H- how is it intuitive for you, or have you learned more about mathematics over the decades? I've never been very good at maths, but um, I think it, it's you know we we work a lot with counts, so we we often divide movement by counts, um, and I think I think with the pendulums they have this relationship to physics, and um, it's interesting because our, our relationship with the pendulums is more about gravity uh, than than perhaps mathematics, and it's it's similar with the music. So these objects contain the music, they contain the light, um, and they also motivate the movement. So the movement's quite um, functional, and it's it's mostly about activating the bells and also responding to them, so responding to the the weight and the force and the swing. Mm -mm. And pendulums are, I suppose, almost quite literally hypnotic. Uh, How how (laughs) do you – what's your approach to pendulums in that regard and the the effect that they have on the viewer? Yeah, I think there is a very meditative, mesmerising quality about them, but you do also – there's a sense of their force and – um, the almost danger of these quite quite heavy weights in relation to the human body. Uh, so there's a sort of a tension there, but there there are moments in the work when yeah it's very calming and very um, 
uh, it almost it feels like it almost changes your brain chemistry because it's this constant swim swinging and um and you almost just never want it to stop. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like an elegant wrecking ball. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Coming at you. Um, has it, I won't, it's interesting with that notion of time and I think everything that the show has gone through over the last 18 months since it was meant to premiere. Mm. Has it, it feels like it's quite symbolic of what we've been going through, but I wondered, if, has it changed at all from its original inception because you've had all these stop starts? Um, I think in its fundamental structure and approach, it hasn't changed, but the the placing of it in an outdoor uh, location has hugely changed it. Mm. Uh, it, it feels uh, much more connected to um, the larger forces like gravity and the tides and the planets and, and this sort of sense of pull, this greater pull um, from beyond just our world um so i it, for me it feels more kind of outward facing mm. um and there's this you know you focus on the pendulums which are, are close to you but but you also keep getting pulled to the sky and there's and the birds and mm. uh the surrounds of the docklands what sort of research or development do you go into what kind of rabbit holes do you go down when you're preparing a work such as this well a work like this um, it, it was a lot of discussion beforehand with Matthias because Matthias uh, came to me with this idea and he has worked with pendulums before um, on a smaller scale and we decided to create this much, much bigger um, project. And, you know, it was really... We just didn't not really know what it would do um, and the actual creation of the pendulums themselves of this module that contains all these elements was a huge amount of research and then just to kind of try to try to gain control over them um and and i, I guess that's a, a a large part of the work in a way is this attempt to control time but also that you we are controlled by it so you know we try to push them in unison but they always just get that little bit out and we try to adjust mm. them and yeah so was a, there was a lot of I guess trying to really define our relationship to time. Okay. It sounds so spectacular. Have the dancers ever been in a performance anything like this before? I uh, no, they I don't think there has ever been a performance like this before. It's 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 a really unique um, situation, I think. What with your decades of experience, what do you think scares non-dancers about moving? Ah, <laughs> um, oh, it's an it's an interesting question. I mean, I think it's it's just um, making a fool of yourself. I think <laughs> I think people feel very uncomfortable with with um, moving and and sort of being watched or sort of judged on movement. Like I think we're all used to being judged on the way that we speak or what we say or how smart we are. But um, I think a, a lot of people do not want to be defined by the way that they dance or the way that they move. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we have that disconnect. In your style of choreography, at least in this production, is different to what people might just think of as dancing. Do you ever get self-conscious on a dance floor, like if you're at a wedding or something? Myself? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, especially because I'm a choreographer and everyone expects me to be an incredible dancer and I'm really not, like not on the dance floor. It's actually a different, it's yeah. a different, a whole different thing to, you know, this much more artistic uh, artistic and kind of technic, technical way of dancing. Yeah. And do you get, when you're watching show a show, say your own show, uh, do you get to enjoy it ever or are you over yeah. analytical? Yes, I, I really enjoy my own shows, especially the premiere season. And I always think, yeah, I'm quite um, into it. It's, it's often later on, a few years later, I look back at it and think, oh, it wasn't, you know, it, what I thought it was. But um, no, especially this one, I, re I really enjoy it. It feels kind of almost therapeutic. Yeah. And um, yeah, really, it's just beautiful and, and sort of relaxing. So, mm. yeah. And when you're choosing what sort of thing to do next, do you work in opposition to yourself? It's like, well, pendulum was fluid, now I'm switching to more staccato or whatever the terminology might be. Do you 
Do you work in opposition to yourself? Yes, yes, that's an interesting question because I, I do. I tend to react against the last work that I made. So Pendulum was very, very pedestrian movement almost. There's a lot of um, formations and walking and um, obviously the throwing and catching of the pendulums. And uh, the next work that I made was very, very fast and detailed and difficult and technical. So, um, yeah, I think there is a there is a, a sense of reaction or or else just taking some small aspect of the previous work and sort of pushing in that direction. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you're also a part of the opening night of Fringe? Yes, we are Ash. Opening night is the opening night of Fringe. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. So tell us what's going on. Pendulum, uh, you can catch it from the 5th of October to the 23rd of October, including Fringe opening night this Thursday, 6th of October. That's right. All right. Uh, and you're still rehearsing or it's all locked in? No, we're still rehearsing and the weather so far has held out and has been... Yesterday was beautiful, but I would suggest... Dressing for the weather. For Fisherman's Bend. Yes. It's always windy down there, <laughs> yeah, no matter what. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, okay, well, Pendulum is a part of Fringe. Head to melbournefringe.com.au and we've been fortunate to speak with choreographer and part-time dancer, occasional dancer, <laughs> uh, and creator Lucy Gearin. Thank you. Triple R. We are in the final morning of Radiothon without which there are no subscribers, without whom there is no station, without which there is no breakfasters, and without breakfasters there is no weird science with Dr. Jen. Hello, Dr. Jen. What what an intro. Have you been practicing that for a while? No, no. Yes, (laughs) actually, for years and years. Um, No, it's very exciting to have you, and it's a very significant morning also. Yeah, well, I think, you know, procrastination is such an interesting thing, isn't it? Because pretty much everyone does it and most of us kind of agonise over it because we know that procrastination is dumb because procrastination is basically putting off something that we know is going to cause us pain for putting off. But yet, I mean, there's heaps of research on it. Procrastination is actually quite psychologically complex. There's all sorts of reasons why we procrastinate. But I was thinking about why somebody might be sitting there this morning thinking, oh, yeah, I always intended to subscribe. That's part of how I see myself as somebody who's community-minded and I love Triple R and I want to subscribe. What would have led you to procrastinate until now? Because often we procrastinate on things that feel scary or difficult or leave us feeling inadequate. You know, we, we think that procrastination is about time management, but often it's just about avoiding, you know, bad feelings. You know, if I write this thing, it's going to be crap and then I'm going to be judged. So it's just easier for me not to write it mm. than, than to write it and it potentially to be not very good. So, mm. like, what do you reckon's going out there in listener land this morning just I thought I'd get around to it before now but I've been too busy or yeah because yeah it's weird because what's the what's the um what's the barrier yeah what's the barrier yeah yeah I mean I think it's a lot of the things that we procrastinate on it's because the immediate cost to us is quite high in the sense that we just feel like we don't have time Mm. and the immediate benefit is quite low so in the short term things are quite unattractive so like if you sort of perceive yourself as yeah I'm a triple R subscriber that's something I do but I just haven't got around to it right now maybe the cost doesn't feel that high until bloody right now this morning (laughs) and this is your last chance quick there's an alarm going off you know you just have to do it now and that's where deadlines come in it turns our deadlines are really, really useful and really powerful. There's been all of this research done on deadlines to show that nothing else sometimes can kick us into action until there's a deadline and then all of a sudden we manage to do things. And a real deadline's important as well, not a... Self-imposed. Well, yeah, yeah, well, there's that also. But, yes, if there's no genuine, uh, not punishment, but incentive to meet the deadline like Mm. the deadline of subscribing today if you miss it that is you you are not eligible for the prizes yeah which would be a crazy yeah it's not like a you know you can write for an extension or whatever no we're not (laughs) accepting that yeah do you grant many extensions in your in your other work yeah um yeah more and more actually Mm. because i just find so many students are Struggling, mm. just really mentally overwhelmed and fatigued and not doing well. Yeah. And I kind of think, who am I to say 
you know, my deadline is more important than your mental health. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I'm probably a bit of a softie really. But yeah. I just think, you know, there are things where giving you an extra 24 hours or 48 hours or whatever might really, really help. Whereas I think with Radiothon, you know, People, we've known about this for a while. Yeah, we are not softies. <laughs> we are not. not interested we'll today extending today. the deadline. Talking about deadlines, in my in my extensive research for this morning's segment, I found out where the word deadline comes from. Do okay. you guys know the history of no. the word deadline? Please tell us. It's a little bit triggering. Great. So deadline was originally a line around a prison and that line was such that if a prisoner crossed that line, <gasps> they would be shot. Oh, doesn't it was, seem fair. Because it was assumed that they were trying to escape the right. prison. That's, so that's why it's a dead line. If you cross the line, you become dead. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, I should have just had a fence. <laughs> Maybe that dead fence. fences came in. <laughs> All these prisons with no fences. <laughs> should just all count our lucky stars that you know the deadlines that we miss these days mm. don't result in such a harsh punishment mm. right they you just, just can't win a digital download pack of all the remote control <laughs> records <laughs> yeah that's all uh, but it is it, there is something about you know if you want something done give it to a busy person i know that's a phrase i'm not sure how true it is but certainly if you give me all the time in the world i will use it Absolutely, and there's heaps of research on that. So really interesting research, things like if you look at um, people who uh, feel like they have as much time in the world Mm. to go and visit a really important landmark in a city. So, you know, for example, people who live in a city never get around to going and looking at the cool landmark, whereas if you're travelling and you've got two days in that Mm. city, of course you're going to go and see these places. And they've done research with gift cards. You know, if you're given a gift card that has a two-week expiry, um, the stats – hang on, I have to look at my notes because I won't remember the stats. Basically, um, if you're given a a gift card that's that's valid for two months, in this particular study only 10% of people – redeemed that gift card whereas if you give people a gift card that was only useful for two weeks nearly half of people (gasps) redeemed it so interesting because you know they felt this compulsion of oh time's running out i better do it now or i won't ever get the chance so this this short deadline window Mm. appears to be really powerful in getting people to stop procrastinating i got a gift card uh that was valid for three years four years ago oh my <laughs> i know you still had it i've still got it do you know what they made because of covid they may have yeah. extended See, it but it was one of those things where i was like three years that's i'm gonna be so old <laughs> <laughs> and you are and i'm old and i never profited from it so. um well wait, can we just briefly thank hannah yeah. tossolini in preston who's taken your sage advice and renewed to breakfasters uh kel buckley in bittern has renewed to twang and Durs O'Brien of Reza. The band, Durs O'Brien, to breaking and entering. Thanks for all the excellent radio. Keep it coming. Thank you for subscribing. So one of the other things about deadlines is that there's been lots of kind of real-world experiments out there where organisations have dropped deadlines for, for example, applying for um, research grants and things like that with the idea that this will allow people more flexibility to write the application when they have time within their kind of... So obviously, you know, I'm living in an academic world, you know, there are times of the year that are busier with teaching or less busy, so let's drop the deadline to support people and also then to stop having this crazy bottleneck for people having to review the grant applications. One particular example, they dropped the deadline and 60% fewer applications were submitted because suddenly if people didn't have a deadline to write the damn thing, they just never, it never got to the top of their list. That would have been me. Well, me too. I've got heaps of things. And I think it's also, it's it's another part of the science of this is what's called the planning fallacy and it's a really powerful cognitive bias that we are very bad at estimating how long something is going to take us. We Mm. chronically underestimate. So, you know, someone out there is listening right now saying, yeah, yeah, look, I've been planning every single morning I've been planning to... Um, to go online and subscribe to Triple R. It's something that's really important to me. But every single morning it's taken me so much longer than I expected to do all the things I have to do in the morning and mm. I've just never got around to it. Mm. And that's why, again, this deadline of today is peeps. Yes. This is your last chance. You need to subscribe that's today right. because yeah. after today it's all over Red Rover. And also if if uh, it's a barrier that you can't sort of sit down on your – if you're commuting or whatever, you can't sit down on your phone or a computer to subscribe online, you can still call. We do have mm. a couple of wonderful people uh, – 
I was with the Philippa, <laughs> who have been looking after us this morning and all across Radiothon. So you can call them if you want. Uh, on nine three double eight one zero two seven. You remembered the number. Struck me also uh, the cheating news this week, where some of the students who cheat in VCE exams, mm. uh, when they are told to put pens down, they keep writing. Yep. Triple R is not so forgiving. <laughs> Absolutely not. When, so when we say pens down, we mean pens down. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys have come out this morning. It's just, you know, it's, it's been very hardlined. <laughs> Who knew? It's tough, love, Dr. Jen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, we do know that external deadlines are very important. Research study after research study has shown that, yeah, if you don't give people a deadline, they'll never get around to it and they'll say, I just kept thinking that I could do it later. I could use my gift voucher later. Mm. And all of a sudden, later just doesn't come. So... Mm. Deadlines are good. I think Triple yeah. R, you know, it's clear, it's kind, it's good to provide a strict deadline and yeah. say this is it. Maybe next year Radiothon will just be 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine that. <laughs> 35 <laughs> phone lines open. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, Nick Finch is in Burnley and has renewed to get down. So thank you for getting Woo-hoo. down, Nick. Sarah Angau Ango from Mooney Ponds is renewing to break fastest and says, you make me a morning person. Oh, oh nice. that's nice. You should all put that on your <laughs> TV. Oh, that's, that's Some of these messages praise. I want to keep forever. Um, Wally Zavatiero from West Brunswick is renewing and donating. Thank you to the station as a whole. And Grace Wood in Watsonia is new to breaking and entering. Welcome aboard, Grace. Thank you very much. Awesome, awesome people. Dr. Jen, uh, thank you as always. That intro, yes, it didn't. Uh, it was at the very last minute, just before the mics came on. Thank you for giving me a deadline every week to come in and talk about science. Without it, who knows what I'd spend my time exactly. doing. Exactly, it's our pleasure. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Went out for dinner last night with a friend for her birthday. She's just in town for a couple of days. Uh, and you know when, you go, when you're going to go out for dinner, you have a look at the menu before you go. Do you look at the menu before you go or you just get there? Uh, uh, Daniel, you do not look at the menu, do you? I, I think... Well, I want to hear what Mon says first. Okay. I think Mon's embarrassed that she does. No, yeah, I do, but I was just thinking how much Will loves doing that. Oh, yeah. Oh. Especially if he's had like a tough week or whatever and we've got this dinner planned or whatever. Yeah. And so he does it as like a way to distract himself from, from work. He's like, what am I going to have on Friday? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a sign of a pretty... Um... <laughs> Stressful job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a sadness there. <laughs> It's cute. Oh. I do the same. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I have done, um, but I I always think it's sad. Uh, yeah, I, I'd much rather turn up, and it's like this is the experience. I know. Yeah, and then they've got specials on as well that you didn't p- prepare for because that wasn't on the anyway. Yeah. Um, I I do. I, I'm similar to Will. I get excited about a menu. Mm. I'll have a look beforehand. I, I'm sad. Whatever you want to think. Um, <laughs> and I. I had it. I'm like, okay, I am getting this beef and Guinness pie. Oh. It is just, oh. And I said it over and over and then I got there and... Sold out? S- no, it wasn't sold out. Oh. But for some stupid reason, I changed my mind. No. No. Anyway, I changed my mind. I got veal schnitzel and it was okay, but my friend got the pie. Because you'd sold it so well. Oh. And I know. And it came and it just sat in front of her and it was just the best looking thing. And I was just disappointed from the moment the meals came out. <laughs> and I thought about it all. Like as we were eating it, I only ate half my meal. I've never eaten half a meal. I was so annoyed at myself. And I did joke to her. I'm like, okay, give me half your meal. And she kind of laughs at it, absolutely not. I'm like, damn it. Yeah. I really want that. But so you ate it and you just left half of it. Oh, we had a couple of entrees and I just wasn't loving it. So oh. I'm just like, and this coleslaw that I had on the side, it was just a slop of mayonnaise. Anyway. Yeah. What happened? Uh, yeah. How come? The what was the you change know of what mind? I th- you you so overthought it? Well, I did, but there was a woman on a table sitting near us and she had looked like she was halfway through hers and it was this pie. Mm. And I couldn't see the mashed potato. And on the actual... Mm. Menu. It doesn't specifically say mashed potato. Uh. And so I was like, well, if it doesn't come with mash, I ain't getting it. Mm. But I didn't ask. Mm. I just looked at this lady's plate who was already smashed her she mashed potato. Ate it first. Of course she did mm. because it was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> and I just stupidly went, nah, I'm going to get this. They didn't have mashed potatoes and of I had course. chips anyway. Yeah. I mean, schnitzels are famously kind of dry, aren't they? Well, it was. Mm. They shouldn't be. No. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> but they're no pie. Like, it's very different. No very di- pie. Oh, I'm- 
That's upsetting. It was so upsetting. <laughs> All last night when I got home and then this morning, it was the first thing I thought about. Like, I haven't been this disappointed mm. in a meal choice in a very... If my friend didn't order it, I would have been fine. But she oh. sat across from me. Happy birthday to you, you little bit. Well done. Yeah. I'm glad you got to enjoy yeah. it. Ruined my night. Mm, that's good. I'll never see her again. Oh, no, I won't. No, absolutely <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah, uh, the whole preparing to... I mean, I would gather... If I was young and dating, mm. I suspect I would pre... So you don't have that awkward panic... On yeah, I don't know how to pronounce this or... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be left the out of pocket there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Um, so I think I'd do that. I mean, there the, was a restaurant I was at recently where they used to just, you turn up and you get what you were given. Mm. Are those days over? I mean, like a set menu. I feel like that happened out of COVID, right? A few restaurants are like, well, open, but you get this. Yeah. Because oh, we're not yeah. wasting But this one didn't even have a menu. Like, But I, I feel like allergies and all that have yeah. ticked off where they don't do it anymore. That sounds exciting. I it like is. that. Yeah, it is mm. exciting. But the, the, the now you'll have to go back. Or next time you well, see a Guinness, beef and Guinness pie, you'll have to pull the trigger on it. I will. And I know it's just not going to be as it's good. Not gonna as, be it's same. not going to be as good. No. You're going to be satisfying former Bobby, past Bobby. Yes. Yeah. 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 I have a friend who is uh, can, can be hard to please mm. and he will – and we, we were away together like with a group and he just – I felt like – I was like, I know you're going to be disappointed. Just go with what you want. And he would always make last-minute menu changes. Yes. And then they would come out and he'd be like – and then he'd like <laughs> build it up in his head about how bad – and like what he had was obviously fine, completely fine. And then he'd like get this – this sour look on his face and look over to his girlfriend and be like, oh, yours looks really good. So then, of course, she would just give right. give it to him. Right. It happened every time. I was like, just order what we're all ordering. We're all ordering the same thing. <laughs> you know you want it. Just do it. But I think he liked having the drama in a, oh, in a, yeah. in a weird little way. Like, no, oh, look at me. Like, I'm trying to be exotic and I'm like, oh, you know, you, you don't know how bad this is because none of you ordered it. Right. I think I'm pretty good at... Uh, I enjoy – there's a certain smugness that descends upon me when people are jealous. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I, I wear it, like, really casually. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's just another right decision. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Mm. You, would, you would love this. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> my, um, my parents would always – my dad would always order the same thing, like whether it be just a, a parma or a steak or whatever. Uh, and mum would always – order something on the special, something she's never had before because she liked to try different things. Mm. Well, she didn't, but she just thought she did. So every time she would order and Dad's just like, don't get the... Don't get that. <laughs> if it was a, a market fish or something like, no, actually, she, she would like that. But she'd always order something and then it would come out and she'd eat half Dad's meal. Oh. <laughs> because she's just like, oh, this is rubbish. Can I have some of that? And Dad's like, I told you. Yeah. Yeah. I told you not to order that. And he's got to wear the risk. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, she's like, do you want half of this? He's like, no. Oh, I don't want that, that vegetarian moussaka. I, <laughs> <laughs> I do find it uh, pretty uh, – The when people get set in their ways – it's like, well, I'm admi- I admire it because it's like I know what I want, mm. but I also detest the lack of creativity. I hate it. Yeah, but then that, but then I don't know what's led up to them locking that in. Like maybe they've had a lifetime of creativity, mm. or or the, they're very familiar with the restaurant, and then that you you're less forgiving. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I hate I hate it. I hate them. <laughs> But you, the, so the set in your ways thing is really is a character flaw. Yeah, I think I think it's more that general, that general lack of and lack of like being adventurous or curious really mm. bothers me. And even if it comes down to like what you pick in a menu, but I do get it. I mean, I order the same coffee most of the time. Yeah. Mm. So I guess everyone's does. Well, it I, I don't know. I asked a two-year-old what their favorite. I don't even. I don't think it's good. He's my to ask. A, two-year-old what their favourite anything is because they don't ha- – they've only been alive 24 months. Yeah. <laughs> like you should have a favourite anything. Like yeah. the world's your oyster. But Try an oyster. Know that. <laughs> <laughs> Triple R. 
Talking Words this Monday, we're joined by author, fellow of both the Australian Academy of the Humanities and the Academy of Social Sciences in Australia and Professor of Linguistics at Monash University, Kate Burridge. Welcome back to Breakfasters. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. In the morning to you too. Now, uh, Radiothon is coming to a very fast close. It's upon us. We're encouraging people to subscribe while they still can. But to... Tell us about Radiothon as a word. It's a good word, isn't it? I mean, and it shows, I think, uh, so much of the creativity that's in vocabulary. It's it's quite old now. I think 1950s was when it was first used, but it obviously goes back to Marathon. That was the sort of mother of all the thons. Um, so I th- what was it between Athens and Sparta, I think, they, they ran, uh, which you probably feel like you've just been doing, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so then people started to blend uh, words. So this is the portmanteau bit. Portmanteau was originally a, a suitcase with multiple compartments. So mm. these words are like, you know, expressions with multiple bits to them. Usually it's two or perhaps more, occasionally more. So then you've got walkathon and showerathon and bikeathon and all sorts mm. of athons. Telethon. Telethon. Yeah, that was an early one too. Mm. Yeah. So then there comes the point that. Well, when do you say that the thon or the athon is a is actually an ending, which I think you can say now? Uh, dictionaries, who'd be a dictionary maker? It's really <laughs> tricky making these decisions. Uh, I think the Oxford English Dictionary describes athon as a, a combining form, which is a it's a weasel expression, really. It's it, is it an ending or not, or an affix that creates all of these thons? Mm. Uh, I think certainly. That's where people um, are. Inter- that's how people are interpreting. I think Radio Plus this athon, not even perhaps connecting it with marathon. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. So with the affix, mm. h- how often do new words depend on the coming up with the affix first? Oh, the, well, the, yeah, affixes come about in, in a number of ways. I mean, another good one um, to show a different way would mm. be the uh, would be broadcast, and then you've got cast. So broadcast is a, what's called a compound, a little different from the blend or the portmanteau because you've got broad is a word and cast, meaning thrown, is another word, squashed together, but not squished in that <laughs> way that um, that blends are. Uh, and then you've got what, narrow cast, haven't you, and podcast mm. and bro- telecast. telecast mm. That's right. Uh, so it looks like, to me anyway, cast is turning into a, a suffix. Uh, one that where it's a clear case because it's so long ago it happened is is the aholic suffix. Mm. So alcoholic was the original word in the 1700s. So the ick was the suffix then. Uh, alcohol plus ick pertaining to alcohol is what it originally meant. And then it shifted, of course, to mean addicted to alcohol, which was all the encouragement people needed to start blending it with other workaholic, bookaholic, ice creamaholic, potato chipaholic. Too early to say that word. Um, and a whole lot of these words, at which case, you know, which point then speakers reanalyze the word and create the aholic ending. Mm. So the boundary mm. shifted from ick to aholic. So we really should be chocolate icks instead of yeah, chocoholics. That's right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but it's much nicer, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's certainly described as a suffix now. But uh, there's this murky time, you know, when something's not clear. But even long standing suffixes like, oh, I don't know, the Dom in Kingdom or the. These these really really old ones, um, which I thought was dead. Dom was you know kingdom. What are some other ones? Um, Fiefdom. Uh, Fiefdom. Yeah, really old ones. But then people started creating things like um, professordom and and um, stuffed shirtdom and lawnmowerdom. Mm. Uh, so it's taken off again. But that dom was a freestanding word meaning something like judgment. So if you go back far enough, and I'm talking about a thousand years in this case, that you find dom. That kingdom was a, a compound of king plus this freestanding form, oh. so much like broad plus cast. So the, existing words in their own right. Exactly. Oh, okay. So those are the two main ways we have of creating new words. So with via affixes and also compounding, so putting words together but not blending them. Blending was a really minor word formation process in early English. Very minor, mundane ones like flush from flash and gush, if that was the case, and oh. then you know. Um, uh, motel, those sorts of things, but now it's just taken off, and people you look at COVID creations, um, 
good about 30 something percent of those slangy COVID expressions were blends mm. and also punning blends like COVIDiot where COVID and idiot were intact <laughs> so there's a, lot, there's a lot of fun potential in those but that, that what were the other ones the staycation mm. um, the coronacation the drivecation for all those holidays when you weren't really having a holiday uh, and you can see if those ones keep continuing mm. you'll get a cation ending for the holiday you're having when you're not really having a holiday, the kind of Clayton's holiday. Mm. Um, so we need to be wary of the distinction between a compound word and a blended word. Yes. Because a blended word will use letters that hedge both sides of the the blend. Exactly, exactly right. Yeah, so um, you, you, they're, they're splinters of the word. I mean, mm. once upon a time it was a bit like motel where you got a splinter um of you know motor and you've got hotel um so they they were more i don't know not so interesting these days you've got overlap either the total overlap like covidiot or the the half overlap like blur's day you know which we all had during <laughs> lockdown the sort of blur plus thursday uh, so there's a bit of Thursday there, but Blur is intact. Yeah. Or, or the Quarantini. Beautiful, that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it, I suppose it's easier or more likely to create a word if you're leveraging existing terminology rather than, like, plucking a neologism out of thin air. They're always... Um, based on something. It's very hard to find words that come out of the blue in the way you describe um, true coinages that don't have really any etymology, any known history, that don't any obvious word mm. or words that's given rise to them. Um, they're usually ones like quark, I think, uh, you know, that term in physics or Google, which, or the, the many zeros that... that but, Bubble? Yeah. I think when I was at school, they told us that Shakespeare invented. I mean, invented a lot of words. Y yes, so he invented the word bubble. But I've always like, how do you? How do yeah, you do how do that? you know? And and I don't think he did because I don't think he would have been as successful. I mean, he, he's supposedly come up with something seventeen hundred mm. separate words, but he had a great ear for the slang of the time, and that's why people loved it. And yeah. uh, so he'd pick up these words. I mean, I'm sure he would have created a few himself yeah. via these sorts of. Um, but your processes. argument is, why would you go to a theatre and hear a word you have no idea what yeah. it means? That's right. People mm. wouldn't have warmed to it in the same way I don't think I think mm. they loved hearing the language that they're familiar with yeah someone's texted in just in terms, terms of speaking of suffixes yeah. or suffixes <laughs> um is file one as in francophile cinephile yes yeah. okay so, so that wasn't a word in its own right no I don't think so I think that was a that was a blended wasn't it in originally yeah I, think I that's would right. defer yeah. to you rather yeah. than me on this <laughs> thank you Kate that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but another one that I think because I heard recently again is the gate one you know the Watergate was the, oh, the yeah. earliest gate and then, you know, the scandal evolved in that Watergate apartment block, wasn't it? And then people blended Iran gate and Diana gate and... Yeah, the Australian politics one about the car, the fake... Oh, yes. I, I can't remember what that was, but they used gate for that. Yes. So Utegate, you know, maybe? Utegate, yeah. Oh, Utegate, yes. And, and Nipplegate, you know, Janet Jackson's famous wardrobe <laughs> so malfunction. Gates, yeah. <laughs> not to invoke this terminology when you've just brought up nipples, but gate is rusted on now, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's nice. not getting usurped. <laughs> no. Mm. Despite the fact that maybe if you polled a lot of people, they wouldn't know the origins of it or... No, they may not think of Watergate now because I think they think of it as a suffix. But you you, you speak to the, the whole problem of this and, and, again, who'd be a dictionary maker? When are these going to survive and when are they just going to you know, drop by the wayside. I imagine staycation, drivecation will sort of die with the virus, let's hope. Um, <laughs> so, but uh, but that's one of the puzzles and, and dictionary makers have to track these words over, you know, I don't know, Oxford says six years, I think the Macquarie's a bit vaguer, uh, to see whether they're going to hang around or not. I think, I think the Oxford one year tracked something like a billion new uses now that's not just new words but new senses of words but still out of that billion how do you know they're going to linger and, mm. and when do you put them in the dictionary so that's why they're not producing well a whole host of reasons why they're not producing um hard copy dictionaries much anymore. right mm. yeah because it's too malleable mm. doom scrolling was word of the year a few years yes. ago and i don't think i'd ever heard anyone use it yes <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know if that's a... Yeah, sometimes they pick these words just because they capture the ethos of the time, I yeah. think. And, and um, Merriam-Webster, I think, picked their word of the year for the number of lookups. Mm. So, so when Trump um, 
came into power, surreal was the word of the year. Wow. <laughs> because of the number of lookups, I think people may be looking for a word to capture <laughs> what was going on. Yeah. I don't so know. to what degree has analytics of the internet affected linguists' uh, appraisal of when something is caught fire and, you know, transcends the six, you say the six years Collins mm. may be used. So if you can look at, say, Google Analytics and yep. say, see, look, doom scrolling's kicked off. Yep. We don't need to anecdotally look mm. into this. We have the facts there. Yes. Do linguists use that? Oh, yes. And that, that's the thing these days. Once upon a time when they were making dictionaries, it would be written language only, pretty standard written language, and it would you know, so have to be written down first, which is why it's so hard to track early slang. Uh, and then they'd, you know, if they all written on a file card. If they collected enough file cards, then it would go in the dictionary. But these days they track everything, you know, electronic communication, menus, chat rooms, and there's no wonder they're mm. picking up so many different words. And, you know, a selfie is a really good example, one that, you know, one of our national our exports to mm. the world, international exports, because that, that appeared, I think, in 2002 in a blog. It didn't take off um, until uh, I think it was 2013, where it increased 17,000 percent in this exactly the sort of you know search mm. that is. In. So it just took off. So yeah. it went, vi- <laughs> went yeah. deep, viral. Yeah. I wonder if the confusion with say rats is an example of mm. give it a year and no one will remember what a rat is. Yes. It's- yeah. Oh no, I was just thinking how it annoys me that we just accept that everyone says rat test. Oh, yes. When the T-stands for test, why yeah. do people just let everyone do it's that? It's like ATM, ATM machine, machine. Oh, machine. Yes. That's it. <laughs> or PIN right. number. I just, yeah. Why does everyone... Anyway. Mm. <laughs> That's right. Uh, um, someone just said that yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, file comes from the Greek philo for love, apparently. Ah, uh, yes. Someone said on the text line. But I'm trying to think. The, I think there was a, a blend. I can't think which was the original file word that blended them. But it's mm. already an existing. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So do you do you make, just finally, do you ever try and invent a word or you just observe it? Well, we're, uh, I have a slang project at Monash and um, so we're tracking slang, which is tricky, Australian slang. And uh, I said, we've got to create a word, you know, we've got to release it and watch it. Yeah. Well, it, the, the Merriam-Webster's actually created what is sometimes called a mount weasel. So these are fictitious entries in, in um, dictionaries and encyclopedias like mount weasel. And... Uh, and it was esquivalience, I think, uh-huh. that they put it in there, which was, I don't know, they're, they're not paying attention to one's duties or something like that. Anyway, had a, you know, had an etymology, had a, a very good pedigree, mm. and um, they watched it. And I think the editor said it was like tagging giant turtles because it, it just showed up all over the place, in particularly online dictionaries. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but you can't predict it, can you, usually? it's it's. I think there are three things. I think it feel, has to fill a need. Mm-hmm. Uh, a celebrity endorsement helps Shakespeare, or, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and mongrel origins. Um, I think they often have different sources that sort of coincide a bit like rat, I suppose, in a way. I mean, it's an acronym, but it's also an existing rat. People played with it. And mm. um, and so then, yeah, that that will support it if it has these, these multiple sources that coincide. All right. Well, long may the blended radiothon continue. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. Kate Barge, thank you. Thank you. Independent Melbourne Radio 3 R. Abby was in Adelaide last week, so I decided uh, to do something that I don't normally do when she's around, uh, and I went to a bakery. Um, she's obviously, like I've mentioned before, uh, she was diagnosed with celiac disease earlier this year, so she hasn't been able to have uh, wheat and goodies and everything that you have from a bakery. Uh, we used to go to the bakery every Sunday, uh, this one particular one in Footscray, and get these almond croissants and God, it was just amazing. It was a great start to a Sunday morning. But, of course, um, because she can't have it, we don't go there. She had said. She's like, if you want to go and get it, I'm like, oh. Is there anything at the bakery she can get? No. Bakeries generally don't have anything Unless that's gluten-free. Unless it's a specialty gluten-free bakery. Exactly. Cause it's, you didn't just always... go without it? Eat it in front of her, make her feel bad? No. Well, I didn't. Well, I felt bad doing that. So <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, but she has no, said. She's like, if you want to. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's mm. torture for you. Um, so I just haven't, and you know, because we eat meals and everything at home, a lot of my diet now is gluten-free. And I think I've adjusted, I haven't adjusted to it, but I'm not noticing the difference as much until mm. the weekend. So I was driving past it and I saw the long line that they have out the front, as they always do, because 
everyone goes there. It's, it's awesome. Uh, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I pulled over. She wasn't around anyway. Uh, I pulled over and I stood in line and I couldn't help. I could just smell it. And I'm just like, oh, God, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. But I was feeling guilty mm. as though I was cheating on her or something. Mm, forbidden fruit. Forbidden, right? <laughs> it was kind of exciting. Anyway, uh, and then I got to the front of the line and then my phone, <laughs> my phone rings and it's Abby. And the lady's <gasps> like, next, please. And I'm like, oh, no. um, uh, <laughs> so I ran outside. What? I know, right? I ran outside and I took... I didn't want to say an arm and croissant whilst I was on, on the phone. No, so I, no, 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 no. Hold on. <laughs> you're not allowed to say the words arm and croissant I, I when you're on the phone to a celiac. This, this needs unpacking. It is. I know. It's, it's ridiculous. I, I, I went out the front and it was a long line. And I went out the front and I'm like, hey. She's like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, what are you up to? And I said, oh, nothing. She's like, oh, okay, so are you, are you at home? I said, no. She's like... Okay, so, so where are you? I thought you were at the strippers or something. And, and I couldn't talk. She's like, are you okay? I go, I'm ordering an almond <laughs> croissant, okay? I'm ordering an almond croissant. Are you happy? Okay. I wouldn't have done it if you were here. I never do it when you're here, but you're away. I wasn't going to tell you. Mm. I didn't think it would matter. It's not something I do all the time. But I, a woman has me. needs. And <laughs> I need. I have cravings. I can't have these cravings with you anymore, unfortunately. So you're away. Mm. I'm ordering an almond croissant. Anyway, she burst out laughing. She's like, that's totally fine. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't know where to begin with this. I know. And I mean, and then I laughed and then I got to the, uh, they let me go back to the front. Um, Did they? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They did. I'm shocked. What a remarkable community. That's extraordinary. I know. Yeah. Mm. I know. You, abs- I, you absented yourself from the line. I they did. probably heard your phone call and thought this poor woman <laughs> is in. A... Is on. Is on the edge of something. Yeah. And she, she just let her go in front. Yeah. She's going through some stuff. She's absolutely She's going through home. stuff. <laughs> mm. Yeah. She, she can't eat a slave driver like, of a celiac <laughs> wife on the phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I turned around and I was. Because I think I was a little bit loud on the phone. Um, I, I turned around and I saw the line. I was like, oh, and yeah, there was a woman. She goes, you can you can go. You were there. I was like, oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so then I went and I got an, um, a croissant and a, and a cheese stick. And, and it was it was amazing. What and the hell's a cheese stick? Oh, one of those bread things. Yes. And it's, like it's, a twisty bread thing. It's a twisty thing. bread thing, but it's yeah, better right. than you've ever had before. Okay. Like, it's ridiculous. Right. I mean, I eat bread most of the time. Do you know what I mean? So, like, okay. maybe the, uh, the, the temptation... Is oh, bigger for yeah, you because yeah. you even, never have it. No, but Bobby's even Bobby's bar's lower. Yeah. Her bread bar. <laughs> and I got a sourdough. Have you heard of sourdough? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, so it, it was funny. But I, I did. I felt like I was busted. And now I'm just like, you're an idiot. Of course you can have that mm. whenever she's not around. There. I mean, she, I could do it when she is, but I, I just felt better when she's not oh, around. I've, I've had, you know, someone come back and say, did you have a burger last night? Oh, oh. God. <laughs> Can I not get away with anything? I was looking through the rubbish and I noticed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I oh. I remember being in I remember being in Paris, I was in Paris at Christmas um, with some friends when I was about twenty and um, we we're all kind of cooking together and someone had bought a giant jar of Nutella um, and I was never we were never allowed Nutella growing up like it was never in our house and it was a real novelty even at the, as a twenty year old adult. Um, and so at one point, no, like no one was in the kitchen. And I thought I'm going to go in there and I'm just going to have, I'm going to eat a little bit with a spoon. Like that's going to be my little thing. Um, but I'm also going to go in and start preparing dinner for for the house or whatever. Um, and I saw it there and I was like, cool, got it. And then a friend popped in. She goes, oh, can I can I help you? She kind of was a bit. She looked a bit like um, she didn't expect me to be in there. She's like, can I help you with anything? And I said, no, I think I've got it covered. And she's like, cool, cool, cool. And then she walked out. And then I turned around and she'd taken. What? The Nutella no. before I could have any. So she'd planned to do the exact same thing. Are you serious? No. And she got so surprised that she saw me in there <laughs> that I turned around and was like, now is my chance. Give me a spoon. I can't wait. And it was gone. You too. Well, what was she up to? Was she take, took her to a room to like shame eat on the bed? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't see her again after that. <laughs> but, um, and I just thought, oh, we both, we're both such sickos. Like yeah. we both want to, she came in and was like, oh, I just came to offer you help cooking. Yeah. Oh, and then no, she fine. stuffed this jar under her top or whatever. And then I turned around and it was gone. Sneaky hazelnut deprived fiends. I couldn't ask her because then it's like, well, well, you didn't need to add, well, you're cooking a roast chicken. You didn't need to tell her. Why are you in here? Mm. 
doing? I find it teller an interesting one because the, what are you supposed to do but eat it out? Unless you're spreading it on something, it's not like you can transfer it to a ramekin or put it in a bowl or like you know, put a dollop on your plate. You have to hack at it. You got to shovel it. You got to shovel mm. it from used, the source. They used to sell it at my school tuck shop, just in those little. Oh yeah, the you know, little, little tiny little, ones. Yeah, mm. which was perfect. Came with a little dipping stick. Mm. I mean, I think my family used to. Oh my god, I had a flashback where there were at the end of a morning. I think there was a marker on the orange juice about where it came up. <gasps> so if it, if it dipped below the line. You knew that someone had had a, a contraband sip. Oh, or you could top it up with water. Then you oh, just yes, yeah, well, that did happen. Oh. Orange juice is a sacred, sacred um, quantity in our house as well. And my dad and brother, even still, if we like, if we like, stay together over over Christmas, or whatever, they both always drink straight from the bottle. Oh. In a communal house. Oh, there's a whole lot that I disagree. I'm the black sheep of my family in terms of hygiene, but. They will just scull it from the bo- from, straight yeah. from the bottle and then put it back in. And I don't know, it's bad manners, number one, but I don't mm. know if it's like a deterrent. Like no one oh else drinks this if I ah. get all my germs in there. But then they're both doing it. I would like smack it out of their hands <laughs> and it would sort of flew out of their mouth across their face <laughs> the other side of the room. No orange juice for anyone. <laughs> Woo! <sighs> That's right. Triple R. Jumpers lighting up our Fridays this week's Funny Bugger on Breakfasters. Hey, Ovi. Hey, how's it going? We're good, Thanks. I think, and I think yeah. we've we've collectively we're magic. Oh, oh yeah, my gosh, yeah. yeah. Well, Dan- I'll just I'll leave Daniel to it. That sounds like a better. <laughs> well, Mom's doing a lot of the heavy lifting with our spirits, but <laughs> yeah, my, we're here. With my magic. Oh yeah, your yeah. magic, mm. as in like, um, did you see magic, or you're just you feel magical? I think just as it, our powers combined. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's precisely oh. right. There's oh, a bit like of Captain Planet. Captain Planet, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, I believe it. Um, <laughs> What's your goss? Um, what is the goss? Uh, not too much has been happening, so I've just been focusing on little moments in my life. Mm. Um, yesterday I had like a really, it shook my day, and it was the worst way to start off the day. Um, I basically got up, and I've been trying to um, eat healthier and um, eat all brand for breakfast. Too much information, oh. but it's good. It's yum. Um, is it? I hate <laughs> all brand. Really, I love taste, it. It's like packing like things you pack. Yeah, with. I know, but I used to have... <laughs> okay, the one from... I feel like some brands do, but, like, the one that I'm getting right now is pretty good. Okay, great. Um, and then I put berries, which are, like, so expensive, like $8 a freaking box. Mm. Um, so I put, like, a few berries in and a banana. Okay. And then I went to put my milk in, and I, just, I was in a rush, so I just, like, slapped some milk in, and instead of milk coming out, there was just no. water in this milk bottle, oh. <laughs> in this, like, carton of milk in the fridge. Um, Wait, what, I, what do you mean? It was just... It was water in this it was like I mean it wasn't off it just looked like water I was really confused as to why it was there Mm. um and it just made me think because it's like I live in a share house full of three boys Mm. um which I didn't think I'd be at this point in my life at almost 30 (laughs) years (laughs) really sad and then it was just funny because if I'd been living with any girls I'd be like instantly I'd be like oh this must be like holy water or like (laughs) something you're chilling um, and because I live with three boys instantly, I was just like, what is this? <laughs> like, someone has obviously just, like, urinated into this bottle and put it in the fridge. <laughs> it's like my expectation. It's like, it, I don't know, but it was just, it turned out it was just my housemate who'd, like, accidentally put it in there. Um, I don't know why, but it what? just made me feel like I'm just over it. I'm over share house life. Oh, my God. I lived with three boys and, oh, and, and, and another girl, and she was actually the worst. Oh, really? She was <laughs> filthy. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't be so gender stereotypical. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> To meet this gross woman I live with. Do you have meetings or <laughs> meetings? No, we tried to set up like a board on the fridge um, with like responsibilities, but no one really does them. I never take out the bins. To be fair, I just feel like it's not my place, and I don't have to. Um, <laughs> um, but I do vacuum. So taking yeah. out the bins is the most overblown. It's so it's easy. So it's so easy, you should, right? You should do it. That's that's the trick. I know. I but know. But I have to remember stuff. Yeah, if it's it raining, takes, it sucks. Um, it takes 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Put a hood on. <laughs> the worst one is the toilet. So, I, so our house is like this really old house um, and it's toilet. It's just brown. Like the colour is just, it's like a brown toilet. Um, so you never really have to clean it because I mean like I. <laughs> um, well, I, 
<laughs> okay, now it's going to do a point where it's like no one ever does it and I'm not going to do it because it's like yeah. I'm not going to do someone else's thing, you know? So now it's just like <laughs> this a, eternally gross toilet. It's a brown toilet standoff. <laughs> Damn it. What about a WhatsApp group or something? Or... Yeah, we should like, yeah, share around the chores and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think I'll start start that up soon. I um, hope so. I yeah, yeah I, I I'm also I'm transfixed so. on the bucket of what would you say a freaking a freaking box of berries. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to buy punnets, but now they're gone. <laughs> they're freaking boxes. Yeah, the cost of living it's a lot. Mm. Um, yeah, um, do you get gossiped right. about? Do you think? Um, oh. I think so. I think they think I'm like really scary for some like for some reason. Every time I'm around, people are just like cleaning, like just like doing <laughs> little things. Like the other day, I was talking to one of my housemates, and he just starts like mopping up the um, stuff on the stove, and it's like I don't know why I'm doing this. It's like twelve o'clock at night. <laughs> so I think it's just I don't like that though. I don't like having that presence of just as soon as I walk in, everyone's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry um, mm. for living. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, just because somebody is cleaning, yes, yeah, so, sometimes they will emit an energy as though everybody should be doing it. Yeah, exactly. I don't even clean that much. Like, I'm, like, pretty gross. It's just, like, <laughs> the bare gross. minimum. <laughs> oh, uh, so, yeah. and, and so where where did you – I mean, share houses, did you think you'd be out of them by now? Is that? Yeah, I just feel like when you're young, I, I was always, like, you know, 27 clubs, fine, and, like, the, being 30 is so old, and I always thought <laughs> I was, like, oh, I'll be ready to check out by the time I'm 30. Like, I would have done everything. Um, obviously not true. Mm. And I thought I'd be, like – like, you know, married and have kids and everything. Good um, three-bedroom house. Legit. Yeah. You're like, it'll be a mansion connected to my best friend's mansion. <laughs> <laughs> With a tunnel underground, yes, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're going to have a kid at the same day as your best friend so they can be best friends. And it's just, yeah. like, all planned out. Um, Good that you make these yeah. plans when you're nine and then they <laughs> yeah. don't evolve at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now it's like, yeah, I didn't think I'd be here in this, you know, at, at now I'm turning 30 in January. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I guess I mean it's not too bad it's kind of fine but it's just moments like that where I'm like why am I still here you know (laughs) what about your name on a lease does that is that a step up um, uh, uh, like when you're of the share house, when you're the one, as opposed to yeah. taking over a friend's room. Or That's something. right. Yeah, yeah, you don't want yeah. to just be like a drifter forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> want some sort of like recognition. Mm. Um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what else is going on? I was talking to my sister. Um, so I don't know if I've told you guys about my like overachieving sister. Mm. She was at Yale just recently. Yeah. Oh, right. Studying or just studying? On holiday. <laughs> she's a tourist now. Bought a hoodie. <laughs> studying, and she also. Um, got the only Julia Gillard scholarship a couple of years ago. So oh she was God. like, Julia Gillard told her in front of like a thousand people um, that she was Australia's hope for the future. <laughs> oh yeah, we were just watching wow. on Zoom. Um. <laughs> wow. Probably make you want to throw up into your brown toilet. Yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> So she's like overachieving and she's finishing her PhD at the moment. So I do feel sorry for her. It's like the worst time. Um, but then the other day she was stressing out and she's just like, it just reminded me of how overachieving my whole family is because she was stressing out. And I'm like, it's okay. Like you're having a hard time. Just like, don't be so hard on yourself um, and practice some self-love. And she was like, stop enabling me. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, enabling you to what? Like be Achieve? nice to yourself. Yeah. Yes. She's like, stop saying this nonsense. <laughs> What's I mean, maybe if you were Julia Gillard, yeah. she would listen. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I know. What's this you? brown toilet seat? She's like, I don't want to be like you. Um. <laughs> Is she younger? Yeah, she's younger. Oh, she's wow. younger. I know. She's, she's got a bright future ahead of her. Has there, this always been that kind of No, I used, to be the, I used to be the golden child and um, my parents just were so chill on her because um, they were like, oh, you won't. They were always like, to me, they're like, you need to be the best of the best. And to her, they were like, oh, you probably won't even get into the school you're trying for and stuff it was just like really harsh <laughs> and then I just um yeah let them down and she just surpassed me so. you're doing great yeah. it's fine but um, no we are best friends so I told her to listen um because I want her to get the message to chill out <laughs> did you what what was the situation at Yale um, she liked it. She was studying, but she said everyone was like, it's like, if you think people are nerdy here, it's like hyper nerd. Um, and she kind of freaked her out because they were like, um, everyone, they're so academic that, you know, you have to have your next five year plan and mm. everything. I hope I'm not getting her like fired for life. She loved it. Um, it was, but she, yeah, she's like, um, she's really smart and she's doing a really cool, uh, PhD on like the relationship between India and Australia, like international relationships. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. While you're staring at bottles of maybe piss in the yeah. fridge. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha 
<laughs> I know, while I'm pouring my cereal. Hey, I was trying to be healthy. I was using berries. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, now, do you have anything lined up that we can see you at? Yeah, um, well, I've got a few gigs. I'm doing like Comedy Republic soon, uh, end of the month, as well as um, it's the Comics Lounge at the moment. Um, but at my job, Footscray Community Arts, we're um, having a major festival in November um, called Neighbourhood, and it's co-presented by the substation, and it's just basically 18 days of contemporary arts. Um, so it's like a mix of theatre, music, um, what else? Oh, some dining events. So, yeah, it uh, starts on the 11th of November and ends on the 27th. Absolutely cool. fantastic. Where yeah. do we go to for that? Uh, go to www.neighbourhoodfest.com.au. Beautifully done. Yeah. Uh, Irvi Majumda, thank you so much and good luck back at home. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for your thoughts and prayers, guys. Triple R. Thanks for listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or the Triple R website.